You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. It's time to take command with former NFL tight end Logan Paulson and former Commander's Beat reporter Craig Hoffman. Take command podcast from Odyssey Sports. I am Craig Hoffman. That is Logan Paulson. I host the Hoffman Show three to six each and every weekday on the Team 980. Logan, contributor to that show and co-host of me on Countdown to Kickoff after he played 10 years in the NFL, including six for the Washington Commanders. Uh, Logan, today we dive into the film of the tie. Bum, bum, bum. <laughs> the tie. Uh, 20 to 20, Commanders and Giants, obviously, on Sunday, uh, by the way, the game in a couple of weeks on Sunday night football. So get ready to see each other for an afternoon edition of Countdown to Kitchen. Uh, I don't know. I think our, our typical morning bagel spot will be closed by then. I, don't even I think know. Get, it's a good bagel. I really look forward to that. That's probably my most my biggest disappointment about being in the uh I mean, the with the bye week and Sunday night football, we got two weeks with no bagels. Two weeks, no bagels. It's a tough deal. Yeah, I don't, I don't like it. I don't like it at all. Move it back. Move it back, <laughs> NFL. Uh, we need our bagels. Uh, but anyway, uh, apropos of none of that, let's dive into the game and then maybe zoom zoom out a little bit, scope out a little bit and talk about what you would do is like approaching a self scout. And then we can get into more detail on that maybe on Friday, because it's such a weird time for a buy. Like teams often do massive self scouts on like, you know, week seven, week eight, you know, and it's helpful because the second half of your season, uh, can be changed by that but here with it by being in week 14 like there's only so much you can do over the last four weeks and and also especially from a personnel standpoint being this far post trade deadline um like you, there's there's not a whole lot you can do uh besides tweak a little bit uh because you already know so much about your team and you only have four games to go so we'll save that though for the end of the podcast now that i've set logan up i see the wheels turning in his head but we're going to save that discussion for the end all right offensively heineke Throws for 275, two touchdowns. Uh, that's that's all great. Uh, but how did he actually play on Sunday? Because it feels like a lot of people, like, I, I will say this. It feels fan base reaction like they lost. Like, the, the, mm. the, the commentary is very critical. The go-back-to-Carson crowd is being very loud. There's a lot of, a lot of people that are upset, and I kind of – don't feel like that's warranted after watching it, but I don't know. When you watch the tape, where are you at? Yeah, I mean, that, that is surprising that it's so boisterous, especially after the stat line that he posted. I know that quarterback play is not just related to stats, and I think when you look at it, one of my big criticisms, and it's every week is a criticism, but this week especially, is the turnover-worthy plays were very high this week. I think um, I think he had five, I want to say, four or five, and they were all kind of very fortuitous not to be picks, but I think – 
if you're going to look at that stuff, you also going to look at this. And he had some uh, the other thing he did, which was a little frustrating, was he misses Logan Thomas in the red zone on the first drive uh, or the second drive that would have been an easy touchdown for Logan Thomas. Great play design, wide open, very very frustrating. He misses Jahan in, in a red zone situation um, that would have been a touchdown, but again the pockets kind of falling down around him. Those types of things. Uh, so I, I understand the criticisms. I, there is holes in his game, but. I expect to see holes in his games. And I think if you look at some of the stuff that he does to elevate this team, I think you kind of say, well, I get why he's still starting, right? I understand why he's still starting. And I look at just as a perfect example of the touchdown to Terry in the first quarter. Um, he does an excellent job. Uh, Lucas kind of gives up a, uh, of a, not a, not a messy win, but a, a quick pressure. He does an excellent job stepping up um, kind of an off platform throw flicks it over the uh, Dexter Lawrence's head. Terry makes an excellent catch, obviously, but that is a play that was not existent with uh, with um, Carson. Carson, yeah. And then obviously there's the play late in the game, the fourth and four, which I think everybody's been talking about. I think he actually misses his first read. I think the ball should go to Terry. Terry's open. Ball should be out. But you know, if you're going to make a mistake, make a mistake like this. Roll to your left, kind of rolling away from the rotation of your arm. Excellent throw to Curtis, who on the scramble drill gets open. That kind of stuff. He had another miss to um, to Jahan, but I think that again is pressure related. So I just look at that and I say, man, like he did a lot of good things. And I think um, another criticism I hear is that oh, he took a lot of sacks, and I think he was responsible in some situations for inviting pressure. But also, I think Wink Martindale. We'll talk. This should be a whole segment, Craig, so we can save the the, the deep dive on this for later in the pod. But Wink Martindale did an excellent job of scheming up pressures and finding excellent matchups. Like that was the thing that jumps off the screen when you watch the tape well let's just, let's just go into it now because i mean it affects okay. the entire offensive breakdown yeah. like what what were they facing and also obviously we'll spend some time over the next two weeks like talking about how they can create a better protection package moving forward but it was pretty clear that they struggled with some of that stuff and including in key situations like the the sack they give up to to thibodeau uh in the last yeah. drive they have of the game like absolutely murders them um and, and so yes Taylor deserves credit for avoiding a lot. I mean, the number of times I'm, as I'm watching the game back and you see like, oh, wow, he got drilled on that yeah. play. Um, he took a ton of hits, a ton of hits. So even though he, it, it really should be looked at as he only took five sacks, not right. wow, he took five sacks. Like the number of times he gets the ball out right before he's getting waylaid is immense in this game. And so what, I guess it, it it's on Martindale. And then, you know, is that, how much of that is an indictment of the plan that Washington had to try to protect their quarterback? Yeah, I think that's that's a good question. So let, let's just talk about it. Let's talk about that sack, the Kayvon Thibodeau sack at the end of the game. Um, and it would be easier if we had like a whiteboard or a demo screen. So you guys have to use your mind's eye and listen to this. I'm going to do a breakdown for this for take uh, for the for command center. And then on Instagram, I'll try to get that up on Wednesday or Thursday. So this will kind of be talked about there. So basically what you're having is you, they get an empty. And so as we talked about in the pregame show, there's two ways to handle pressure, right? One is to get an empty, spread everybody out, designate the known rushers, and get your protection called correctly based on that because the structure of the defense becomes very, very clear, right? The other way is to go max protection. In this case, in the Kayvon Thibodeau sack, there is a back in the backfield, but to me, it's a five-man protection. It's an empty protection because the back's free-releasing. So this is really cool. This is like some really detailed football stuff. They take Gibson from the offensive left, motion to the backfield. Number 44, the defender, the defensive safety for the Giants, tracks him into the box. You can tell he starts communicating with the nickel and the other linebacker in the box, and they exchange responsibilities. 
So Gibson lines up on the off- offensive right. The defense comes out of this little powwow, and 53 is on the uh, defensive left, offensive right, matching Gibson now. So all of a sudden, basically what they've done is they've changed who's blitzing. So the safety, 44, and the nickel are lined up to the offensive left, okay? And basically, 53 is a big, 51 is a big, 97 is a big. Those are defensive linemen. They're all to the offensive right. So in this five-man protection, you are going to send your center, your slide, to the offensive right. So you're going to have three guys for three, and you're going to have two for two on the backside in a man protection look. You call that the man side is the left side here. Wink Martindale did an excellent job of dictating the direction of the slide here, saying, I know you're going to slide to the right, and I know how to overload your pressure to the left because you're two on three, essentially, in this look. So our protection rules for the commanders are if if you get a squeeze, if you get an interior pressure, right, if there's a blitz in the A-gap, right, and there's a defensive tackle inside of the tackle, the tackle has to squeeze it. So Wink Martindale brings the nickel and the safety in the A and B-gap, Charles Leno has to squeeze that. That is the rule of the protection. That is the rule of the protection. Five, Kayvon Thibodeau is unblocked in this protection by rule. And people say, why are you not blocking a defensive end? That's stupid. I would much rather not block a defensive end than someone running directly at my quarterback in the A-gap. It just gives you a a beat of time, right? So in this look, he is taking a two-man protection, and he's breaking the rules by saying, you squeeze versus A-gap pressure, we'll squeeze this. I'm going to have the end come off the edge. And he did that multiple times. So he's dictating the side of the slide. He's dictating the direction the center's going. And he's overloading your man protection side and letting Kayvon Dipito run free off the edge. He yeah. did an excellent job of that all day. I'm I'm watching it now on the All-22. And it's, I mean, it's pretty stunning to watch because it's, they have enough to block it. It's five on five, um, except for they don't because the guys go the quote-unquote wrong way. The question is then, like, if they got that multiple times in the game, how did they not adjust? And what it what would the adjustment be? And is that the kind of thing you can do in the middle of a game? Is that the kind of thing you can adjust to? Because, man, you know, hey, this is our last chance to win the football game. Also, if we give up a safety, we lose the football game. Mm-hmm. It's a real bad time to get exploited by something that's been happening all game. But that's easy for me to say sitting here talking to a microphone. And so it wasn't the same blitz every single time, but it was the same theory of blitz, right? Dictate the slide, overload the man side. And, you know, in this look, it's a nickel and a safety in the A and B gap here. But there was another time where it's a three technique and they blitz the middle linebacker. You got to squeeze that. Kayvon Thibodeau comes free, right? There's another look where they overload the slide to the right and they pinch the defensive end and they blitz the A gap and the nickel back comes off. So they, they just took that same principle and did it over and over and over again from different things. On this look specifically, to me, this is one of those ones where a veteran quarterback gets you in a better situation, a guy who knows what's going on. When they come out of that powwow and 44 no longer matches the back, I know, and 53, the defensive end, goes to the side of the back, I know that he's he is now blitzing because he would match the side of the back. Because what if, in this look, Gibson's to the right, 44's to the left. If Gibson were to free release, that would be a touchdown right? Because no one's going to match Gibson. So who's matching Gibson? It has to be 53. I know 53 is not rushing. There's two defensive players to that side, defensive linemen. There's three defensive players to the left. I need to come up and be like, hey guys, let's work the slide to the left and then go back and do my cadence. Now, is that challenging? Yes. Is that something that um, in terms of mechanics, do they have built in? I have no idea. But the way to stop this pressure 
is to send the slide the other way. And to me, the, the center can't necessarily see that, but you bring the motion in, the quarterback should be able to identify and discern that and get the protection called the right way. That is fascinating. Uh, that is something you're not getting on another podcast. Uh, that is why you listen to Take Command. That is why you subscribe to Take Command. So if you are listening right now and you are not subscribed, go hit the button and you will get more insight like this on a regular basis. Um, that So the other part of that is Nick Martin is the center here. Um, mm, how, much, yeah. how much did Larson going out affect that and then how much did um or like how how much they need to hope that either sam cosme or trey turner is available to play right guard so that schweitzer can kick inside the center room would that help things yeah i mean the the answer is i don't know like in this look specifically i think it's hard for the center to see this because think about the center doesn't see the motion he doesn't see who's coming in with the motion he doesn't get that benefit that the quarterback does so just just to pause for one second though because in this in this offense, the way I understand it, you would know yeah. better than me, but like, doesn't the center make most of those calls? He does. He does. That is true. And that's, I talked to someone today in the building. And I was like, you know, could, if the quarterback wanted to, could he switch this? And he said, if he wants to, he can. So obviously there is, that's not how they do it normally, but there is that capability according to this individual I talked to. Now he might've just been saying something to say something, but that not having the quarterback have that ability seems asinine to me so i i trust that he has some level of flexibility and if you watch the film closely there's a couple times where taylor is doing something i don't know if he's changing protection or alerting hot but he's directing some type of pre-step traffic right so i would imagine there's an element of that so on this look i i don't think nick does anything incorrect there are four bigs there are four defensive linemen to the right of the center i also think they're sliding to number 97 who's their best interior pass rusher to get double teams on him right because that's what you get with the slide it's the same thing you do with Aaron Donald. When you have an elite interior defensive player, that's one of the benefits, right? That's a, that's a benefit. So um, the, those are some factors that dictate the slide. I think everything I see on this play seems like it's right. The problem is, is I think we can talk about the other solution in terms of max protecting in a second. The problem is Wink was just able to do this very, very consistently. And it's crazy because the protection plan actually works really well. Like there's a play earlier in the game where Terry's running like a big speed out, right? And they bring his own pressure. So the defensive end drops underneath it. And they do the same thing. Wink does the same thing. They overload the man side. But because the defensive end is running from so far away, Taylor's actually able to work through his whole progression. He gets hit, but the ball needs to be out quick. You need to know you're hot there. That, that, that's on Taylor a little bit. But the, the, the theory, the practice of it works really well. It's just about can you eliminate that moving forward because it is – it is catastrophic. You know, if, if, if he, if he is, if Wink Martindale is able to constantly overload your man side and your protection, like you can't pass protect, you're going to have a game like this where you give up five sacks. So you said a more veteran quarterback would potentially be able to see this. There's always the thought that you're going to give up more sacks with Wentz than Heineke. How much, how much further damage did Taylor afford to the point that that would actually hold up or is, you know, against this defense, is is it actually reversed because of the knowledge that Carson has and in, in the amount of time he spent in the league? And so I will say this: like w- Wink deserves a ton of credit, and it's yeah. really easy. And it's really easy with the clicker in my hand to be like, "Man, Taylor should have done this." This seems really obvious, but in real time with real bullets, hard to check. And also, Wink is really good at like kind of he's he he plans pressures for protections. He doesn't do it the other way around he doesn't just throw pressures and hope it beats protections 
he's coaching up his pressures to beat your protections. And people say, how do you know that? And it's like just watching him, watching him in this game, you can tell. Like understanding this team's protection, you can tell that he studied it and he knows where the holes are. So I think that's one of the advantages of having the bye week this week, I think, is because now you say, okay, well, this is what this is Wink's plan last week. How do we shore this up? Can we leave a back end maybe? Can we dictate the slide in a different way? Because there's a couple of times where I think just on default, the slide should go the other way, right? But because of whatever their rule is, you know, they, they're going to the three big guys. They're, um, you know, they're going to 97. Whatever the rule that dictated their slide was this week, Wink was able to exploit it. So how do we keep him out of that? How do we keep ourselves out of that situation? You know, staying on schedule with the run game is one. Being more efficient on first, second down is like an easy one because he doesn't do that as much in third and like sub four situations. It, it quiets down a little bit. So that was something I think maybe you look at if you're the coach. Um, but back to your question, like I think this is also good beta for Taylor to say, okay, I, I recognize some of these pressures. I recognize some of these looks. And the problem is, is that like when you're playing a guy like Wink, is he knows that. So you, you might flip the protection next week and the three big guys rush and they play a zone drop out of it. And, you know, it doesn't matter if the back's free. It doesn't matter how they match the back. And you get a defensive end hitting you in the air from the other side. So that's the problem of playing a guy like Wink because he's always seemingly one step ahead from a protection standpoint. But the good thing is he doesn't have a full kind of mini bye week because they played on Thanksgiving to kind of prep for you the same way. He's got to prep for Philly and he's got to get back to you. So how much new stuff is he going to be able to put in? Right, and especially when you have the full two weeks to be able to to come up. Obviously, we know Scott Turner's been at his best this season when he has extra time to prepare as well. And it's not like they played terrible offensively. Um, they did no. throw up 20 points and put together a couple of really nice drives. Taylor uh, was able to get Terry McLaurin, one of his, you know, or get Terry McLaurin over 100 yards. John Dotson was more involved than he'd been in a long time. Curtis Samuel um gets some of his touches i want to i want to stop down on samuel for a second because mm -hmm. to me he's the guy who's the bellwether for the offense he's he's our old canary in the coal mine right it's true um, yeah. and when he gets going this offense is at his bet at its best what can they do to one is, is it smart to get him more involved earlier and if so two how do they go about doing that yeah it's interesting because i feel i feel like now there's like two canaries in the coal mine so to speak i think jahan is another one i think they kind of they kind of cannibalize each other's touches. And I think this week they were like, let's see if we can get Jahan more involved. Like on the first play action pass that he catches, I think it's like the first or second play of the game. Um, you know, Terry's running like a deep post, clearing coverage out off of a play action look, and Jahan's running the high cross. And it's wide open. He's able to make a catch. So obviously that was part of the focus. Like can we get him in one-on-one -on -one situations, even his touchdown? You know, I don't know if they knew they were going to play two-man, but basically like working the high-low on the corner and the out, to him over the ball in a man-to-man -man situation is pretty good, right? So putting him in, in situations where he can get those touches, where he can make those plays, I thought was pretty good. Again, I think it was like the second or third catch of the game for him. You know, they're running a play-action pass, and he's running a hitch on the outside. Like, is that the one he catches on his butt? Yeah, they, they were sure. making a really big concerted effort to get him more touches. So I think it's either him or Curtis, right? I know that's kind of – it shouldn't be either or, but right now – with how few passes that they're calling, right. I think it is. So I think the fact that Jahan got some touches is excellent, and I think that that Curtis gets some touches late in the game, I think is also very important, right? Because it speaks to his skill set, and um, you know they're able to get him some touches in the run game. And again, he's not the best route runner. 
I think like that's a misconception that I have about him. He's just a good route runner. He's explosive. He's fast. He's quick. But he's much better like catching a short pass and like breaking it for a big game. Jahan is the one who's like better deep stuff. So maybe now that they're both healthy, you know, Scott finding ways to speak to both guys, I think is um, is maybe something that they're looking at. Yeah, I just I would love to see him get touches, obviously, in the run game uh, as part of like, I think they've done a pretty good job of that over the last eight weeks, getting him three to five carries a game. Um, they've stopped having these games where he just doesn't touch it at all. But I do think getting him involved as a wide receiver uh, on some of the quick stuff, right? Like it just it puts more on the defense's plate. Like he he is the ultimate weapon. He is yeah. the guy who's going to move around, who's going to dictate a lot of coverage, who is going to mess with the rules because you don't know exactly what to treat him as. You have to be aware of where he is on every single play because he could wind up, you know, running an end around, running a reverse. He could wind up running a quick slant, a quick out. Or he could wind up going deep. And that's a really hard guy to account for. And so the, the sooner they establish, yeah, he could do as many of those things as possible, I think is good for them. And he's also a matchup nightmare. And I think that was the thing that was frustrating for me, um, especially late in that game. Some of the calls that they make is they started to really just figure out, you know, where's 38? Uh, who was the practice squad corner that the Giants elevated yeah. on 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 Sunday, and just go? Where is he? He's on Curtis. Get Curtis the ball. Where is he on Jahan? Get Jahan the ball. And that kind of stuff was available to them. It felt like all day when they really wanted it. And so it it mixes in with the pressures uh, and, and the ability to actually protect long enough to get the ball out. You obviously don't want to stray too far from your identity, but it just feels like they never quite found that right balance. Yeah. on Sunday, but they were effective in stretches, which obviously gets them to the 20 points. Um, but it just, they never quite found it. And I feel like that has been like an ongoing season long thing to find the right balance of maximizing these very potent weapons that they have. And this running game, which wants to be at the core of what they do. What's well, interesting. I feel like this is the first week that they even tried to. Yeah. Is that, yeah. yeah. Like, even like, because they've just shot. been like, screw the passing game. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey, I'm Brett Podolsky, co-founder of The Farmer's Dog. We make fresh food for dogs. We started the company when we saw what a huge difference it made in my own dog, Jada, when she stopped eating ultra-processed kibble and started eating fresh, whole food. The Farmer's Dog food isn't fancy. It's just real food delivered to your door in pre-portioned packs. It's better for them and easier for you. Get 50% off your first box at thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. That's thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. I mean, Ron had a great quote um, yesterday uh, where he was asked, you know, basically that, like, how do you balance it? He's like, yeah, I don't really agree with your question. We're going to pass it when we have to. I was like, mm. oh, you're, you're going there. And that's in 2022 to hear a head coach just flat out say that and not even play the game of like, well, we're trying this. That. He's like, no. We're going to run the football and we're going to pass it when we have to. Right. Uh, we're only going to pass as much as we have to. Um, it, it 
I think it's the right way to play for this team. It also yeah. is completely unsustainable long-term because they've invested so much in the wide receiver position. It is a stupid way for this team to play long-term and the absolute smartest way for them to play right now. Um, but it's hard because like against a team like the Giants, where there's so much opportunity based off personnel on the back end, and we'll see in two weeks if Adoree Jackson is back, and that obviously yeah. changes the equation. Julian Love being back obviously changed the equation for them. He had a really good game defensively for New York. Um, but it is the kind of thing that just it, – it is a wild, like, two one-way streets going in the exact opposite directions and trying to pick which one to turn down is 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 a tough job if you're Scott Turner. I don't I don't envy him in that way. Yeah, and I, and I think you know that that's, that statement sounds kind of crazy, but I also think that they've done a good job of getting to the play-action pass game. And I, when you talk to Ron, like I had a conversation with him today, he was basically saying like, you know, that's a big part of who we want to be, and it does affect defenses negatively. But he's like, you kind of have to earn that. And I, you know, I don't know if analytics supports that. That's more of a traditional football, it absolutely doesn't type of thing. But like that, that's where he's coming from. So I understand you're going to run the football, build your play-action, and it's. And quite frankly, it's helped Taylor Heineke. Like, it's helped the offensive line. It's helped Taylor Heineke. Look at all the sacks that they had. Look at all the pressure they had. Those are in drop-back drop back passing situations. Those are in drop-back pass protections. That is not where this team wants to live. So as much as people want to say, like, that comment is an indictment of Heineke, I think it's just as much an indictment of the offensive line. Not because they don't have good players. It's just that they're not good at drop-back passes. So let's get in the play-pass stuff. Let's live where we want to live, which is play-pass, run game, move the pocket, be conservative. And then what I would say to your point, Craig, is can from that package, which I think they can do this, yeah. develop more more of a potent passing attack in the confines of that parameter, right? Like, can yes, you, 100%. Can you delve deeper into the play-action pass stuff? Can you work some keeper stuff? Can you work some, um, you know, side just in the run game that work like a run, you know, in terms of, um, you know, Kyle does this like a, like a quick, you know, off coverage, you run a little slant, throw the ball there. Yeah. Like that plays like a run, but you're getting Curtis Samuel a touch in space or Terry or Jahan or Logan Thomas even. Right. So that would be my kind of perspective on that. Yes. I agree with your sentiment. I think you worded it very nicely. Like this is how they have to play now for a myriad of reasons. Right. And they have to play now because it also elevates the defense. It's another reason, but yes. can you take these parameters that you've set? and build off of it and i think you absolutely can i think you can absolutely build off of it yeah so like for instance if you run a boot and everyone's seen this throw or this concept a million times in the nfl you have your three level you know three level routes that go with the quarterback and very typically um that first guy is going to get the ball easy little dump off uh, off the boot action uh sometimes it's a little bit more difficult throw against pressure but that guy gets the ball some absurd percentage of the time. Like, yeah, sometimes you hit the, the deep one, sometimes you get the middle guy, uh, but often it's just that quick dump off, first guy across. And often it's a tight end. Well, what if it's Curtis Samuel instead? And like those right. little tweaks can get these guys touches. It doesn't have to be drop back pass. It doesn't have to be anything fancy. Crazy, one thing yeah. that, you know, one thing that is kind of, you know, a limitation uh, to, to defend Scott and Ron and this, thing here is taylor's arm strength right yeah if you're aaron Rodgers and you even see, daniel jones even daniel, daniel jones look at, right? like look what he's able to do in, in an offense that's very similar contextually to what the commanders right. are so one one of the things that like i, I picked Rodgers because he does this i think more than anybody especially when he used to have Devonte, is run play called they're playing off coverage 
rather than try to run the ball into a, a even a neutral box, I'm just going to rise up and sling it as hard as I can out to the sideline and let Devontae Adams catch and run for eight yards. And sometimes, the, you know, those guys break it and it's a big play. But even if you get six yards, like if you got six yards when you, by handing it off, you'd have been thrilled to so take the six yards. That ball is going to take so much longer by, you know, again, is it, yeah. is it real, real time? Like it's 0.1 seconds difference. In the NFL, that is a massive deal and puts the ball at risk of being picked potentially even if Taylor tries to rise up and sidearm sling that ball out to Terry McLaurin, out to Curtis Samuel, out to Jahan Dotson. Could you run like a bubble RPO type of stuff? Yeah, and we haven't seen that a ton this year, but occasionally. But some of that stuff that's really yeah, some of that stuff that's on the table for a Mahomes, for a Rogers, for some of these elite throwers is just not on the table for them. And that's kind of the solution. The hard thing in the long term is finding someone who can quickly get the ball to the playmakers, which is the idea with Wentz. Unfortunately, it's just actually not really who he is, despite the fact that when his base is right and he can step into it, he's got you know one of the five strongest arms in the league. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I think, um, you know, it's interesting, like coaching high school football, like, you're like, oh, let's just run these bubbles. And like, if they're not going to cover it, because in high school football, everyone's running the football. So there, you see heavy boxes, all this stuff. And if there's a bubble route, like just throw the ball to the bubble. The problem is the quarterback's arm is not very strong. So it takes forever to get the ball out there and they can rally and make the tackle. I think you run into a very similar kind of like you, you articulated, a very similar situation with Taylor Heineke. But I do think there are ways. I think if you look at, you know, we're going to talk about um, the defense here in a second, but look at yeah. what the Giants did, right? They did a really nice job of kind of saying, we're going to run keepers, we're going to run a wrinkle off the keeper, and we're going to find ways to get Darius Slayton touching on, touches on like a little flat route. And then when we have to run a play-action pass shot, we're going to take it. And we got to talk about that a little bit too because there was some open, really, really open play-action passes shots where he has to scramble or the pressure's there, he takes a sack, whatever it is. We'll talk about that more later. But I think the Giants did a really nice job day ball. Did, Kafka did a really nice job of kind of molding the offense to find these to to elevate the passing game while staying true to their identity. And I think Scott is doing that. Like when you watch him each week, there's more wrinkles there. And I feel like in some ways the parameter that Ron has set for him has made him a better offensive coordinator. Because instead mm. of saying we can do everything, which they can, yeah. it said, nope, we're going to focus on this, build off of this. And it's made him made him better in terms of dealing with going against kind of convention in terms of how he's calling plays. And I think that's been really interesting to see um, and a really cool thing for like young play callers, you know, offensive coordinators, good offenses. Cause if you look around the league, good offenses, they have a very strong identity. Now that identity can be very broad, but it's very kind of, there's a specific element. Oh, we're going to be a play action pass team. Well, how do you do that? And what do you build that from? And I think that's what Ron's done by saying, Hey, run the football. Now you build around that that rule, and I think that's been kind of cool. Yeah, less is more in, in a way. Um, the one thing I'll say about Jones, we'll obviously get to this, but when that dude wants to take a shot, it's, oh, it's out. Well, he, he's one, go. he's got a cannon. Yeah. Two, he has no hesitation. He's like, oh, we got the shot play on? Oh, <laughs> I got like my matchup? Let it rip. I mean, th- those th- <laughs> those two balls that he throws at the end, um, the first one where they uh, where Slayton should have caught it, and, and he just drops it, and then the second one where – they wanted the Danny Johnson uh, PI and they didn't get it because it wasn't PI. Like it's set hut one, two, three, let it go. Like there's no hesitation. He launches the thing to the moon. Like his body yeah. position when he lets go of the football is like, <laughs> it's almost cartoonish in, in the way he's rocking back and letting the thing go with, with that much air under it. Um, 
but it works. And sometimes yeah. when you take deep shots, that's kind of what you got to do. And if you're risking an arm punt, you risk an arm punt, but like you let it go and you trust your guy to make a play. Um, let's wrap up the offense though, real quick for Washington. Like, uh, let's, let's just go where you just were the opportunities that get missed because of the protection. Like how much bigger could this day have been for Heineke when it was already one of his biggest days, uh, frankly, passing wise yardage total wise of his career. Yeah. I mean, I was talking about Daniel Jones and the oh, okay. defense, but I do think that there is um, an element of that, you know, like there's a, there's a very clear opportunity to Logan, uh, which is affected by a little bit of pressure, right? There's the pass to Jahan where he's hit as he's throwing it which again would have been a huge play for sure. First down, probably an explosive play for the offense. And um, so again, like that's, that's kind of the game you're playing every week and every team plays it is like, how does the protection hold up long enough so I can get a shot out. And there were plays like that, um, which I thought were good to see, right? The, 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 the added play action stuff was something um, that I liked, you know, I like to see that, but um it's it's tough man. it's it's tough to kind of walk that line and find those execution things um but yeah like a couple of the sacks man there's guys open and you just can't get the ball out in time so yeah um that's that's the nfl though um yeah. what about the running game how did, how did it ultimately grade out yeah i think the running game is doing a nice job i think they did a really good job with dexter lawrence i think they did a good job attacking the edges uh taking advantage of stuff and Brian Robinson's just running like a horse, you know, he's looking faster. He's kind of deceptively fast and making plays and, uh, you know, Gibson's getting in there, making some touches. I'd like to see them kind of speak to Gibson's skill set a little bit better uh, in terms of, you know, getting him on the perimeter, getting him into space. I think that's a very valuable piece there, but overall, I think you're very happy. I think, and then Curtis getting the touch late on the, that kind of trap play that they like to run with him was great. And, yeah. um, they're I think they do an excellent job or they have done the last two weeks of again limiting the contact in the backfield because usually you see the runners and it's like they're getting hit at the line of scrimmage and they're kind of muddle huddling it for an extra five yards or whatever it is I think they've done a good job of of getting guys covered up getting runs targeted a little bit better it's still not perfect but it very rarely is and so I think, again, I think guys have really gravitated towards this, specifically the offensive line. They've gravitated towards blocking, you know, run blocking. And if you ask any old lineman, they prefer that. You know, yeah. they offensive line. Let me go forward and strike someone instead of having that, you know, going backwards and letting them run into me. Yeah, like I don't think people understand, like, how challenging pass protection is. It is so hard. It, I've never met an offensive lineman that's like, oh, man, I love pass protecting. It's It's not a thing. That you prefer run blocking. And so to get a game plan like this, a game structure like this, is something that Kyle um, really emphasizes. Like he's like, I only want to call 10 drop back passes in a game, which is nothing. You know what I mean? That's zero, you know, for the NFL, like modern NFL. But that works. That works really well because it elevates how he just won with Brock Purdy. <laughs> yeah, it elevates your offensive line. It, it, that's what it, that's what you're doing. You elevate your offensive line. You elevate your quarterback. You create bigger throwing windows all those different things. It does limit you in terms of some of the stuff you can do from a passing attack, but I'm okay with that because it elevates those other two things. So the running game has been really nice to see kind of mature and just become more efficient, I think. Um, the other thing I wanted to point out uh, is how this ball control style really can hurt you if you're in a game where you're behind. It really hurts you because there was that drive that they had after, I want to say the Giants scored. I don't remember exactly. I think they scored in the third quarter. Yeah, they scored Washington, early third quarter. I mean, Washington, they, Washington the was back. down 20 to 13 for a long time in this game. 
yeah, they got the ball back. They went on a six-play drive that went like 40 yards or something like that. Seven-play drive that went 40 yards. I forget exactly. And it took six and a half minutes off the clock because they're trying to kind of establish their, we're going to run the football, we're going to do this, we're going to do this. And I get it, and that's who you are. But it's it's going to bite you in the butt if you got to score multiple points, multiple scores uh, late in the game because right now this offense is just not equipped um, from a philosophy standpoint to accommodate any type of quick score. So against a team like the 49ers, number one ranked defense in the NFL at the moment, right? Like that's going to be some tough sledding. You're going to have to find ways to kind of crack that nut. Um, so interesting thing to keep an eye on moving forward. I mean, here are some of the drives in the second half. These are impossible statistically, and they did it yeah. basically back to back. Um, the Giants scored five plays, 20 yards, and 237. So they go up 20 to 13. The Commanders follow it with an 11 play, 38 yard drive <laughs> that took eight minutes. <laughs> I can't make that up. 11 yeah. plays, 38 yards, eight minutes. They then force a three and out for the Giants, and then they come back 12 plays. 40 yards, missed field goal, and 6-12. I think about so that's, those that's drives. 23 plays for 78 yards in 14 minutes and 12 seconds and zero points. And so that's going to that's gonna nip you in the butt if you're not careful. Like, you got to be more efficient there. What was the play total on that for 73 yards? That's like three yards uh, a 20, play. 23 plays for 78 yards. Okay, 23 plays. It's uh, It's not good. Basically three yards of play. Yeah, three uh, and then they go eight plays. Play. Then they go eight plays, ninety yards, and one fifty-eight <laughs> for the score. Um, let's. By the way, let's put a pin in this for Friday as part of the mm. self scout. They need okay. to start mixing in some tempo. Um, not a lot. Yeah, not a, a lot. But there's a smart way that they can do it. I'm gonna put my coaching hat on. The most dangerous thing we do on this podcast, but I want to get to that on Friday. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Take a man podcast from Odyssey Sports. Craig Hoffman, Logan Paulson. Make sure you're subscribed anywhere you're listening or watching right now for more from us. And Logan, the defense for the commanders also had a very similar game. A lot to nitpick, but also they weren't that bad. And that's kind yeah. of how you wind up in a tie kind of game uh you've already mentioned earlier in the pod that it could have been a lot worse if the defensive mm -hmm. line uh didn't have the day that it had what stands out on the tape from watching this defense well i think first off just because it's like tooting our own horn we knew that they were going to come in with some type of wrinkle and the wrinkle in this one was we're going to 
on keepers, we are just going to block the defensive end and have Daniel Jones run to the perimeter. And that was something that I should have thought of, and I'm a little mad at myself I didn't think of. But it basically worked for like the first half of the game. And it worked twofold. One, it gave Daniel Jones easy throws. Two, it got Daniel Jones on the perimeter of the defense and let him run the football, which is something that I wasn't expecting, right? It basically turned into like this crazy like RPO on steroids, right? Fake run to the left, run the quarterback to the right. We've got deep concepts coming across, which is not something you normally get on RPO. Oh, it's not there. I'm going to scramble for 20 yards. I'm going to scramble for a five-yard first down. Like, And that just became murderous. And obviously, I think Jack Del Rio in-game did a good job of basically like looking at the defensive ends and says, if you get this down block by the tight end, you need to work vertical as hard and as fast as you can. And it worked out great. I think James Smith-Williams gets a holding call. Uh, Montez Sweat gets kind of a holding call, something like that. And then uh, FAO Bata forces one to bubble really big. They're able to match the concepts because the coverage can catch up to the, the route. So they did adjust in game, but that was a really nice wrinkle by them. Also, the play-action pass shots, I thought they did a great job of with, I'm talking about New York in terms of calling them and then protecting them for the most part. I will say Daniel Jones's first scramble where Ridgeway misses the sack, like Allen wins, and then kind of he's one-on-one with Ridgeway in a big space and he shakes Ridgeway which is not like saying anything because Ridgeway is 335 pounds, so you should shake right. him. But um, the the post, so they run like a in on the front side and a post on the back side. The post is open by about 10 yards. So if he can set his feet and throw, like that's probably a touchdown, right? So again, getting Benjamin St. Juice back into this defense, the defensive line, again, elevating the back end was awesome. Um, and then you saw again, like what that those shots can do when he gets that ball completed to Slayton. Cause really outside of that completion of Slayton, they didn't do anything super dynamic offensively. I think going into the fourth quarter, uh, Daniel Jones was 17 of 18 for like 105 yards. And there was a 58 yard completion in there. So yeah. obviously he's basically like a super extension of the run game. And everyone mentioned Saquon Barkley. I actually think they did a really good job against Saquon outside of his touchdown run. A lot of his yardage came on that two minute drive where they're just spamming draws kind of repeatedly. And those are really hard to navigate in those situations. I do kind of wish after the first one, Jack would have been like, okay, they're probably going to run the draw again. Let's change our defensive front structure to accommodate in case they run a draw, and then we can contain the quarterback a little bit better. But that that's, again, one of those nitpicking hindsight things that maybe in the game you don't really think about. Um, but I think overall, uh, good, good against Saquon. And then obviously on the touchdown run, I think um, John Ridgeway gap releases and is able to create a nice A-gap run. And Saquon's fast and he's physical, is able to finish for a touchdown. But overall, I'd say they did a good job. And they had – they did – the defense did a really – cool thing and i don't know how much i can talk about it because i pulled this is kind of a fun story so today i pulled clips for coach's show which we do on friday and mm -hmm. i pulled the clips and he approves them and then i started kind of walking through them with coach and he says you know what logan like these clips are so good you need to pick new clips because i don't want the giants to see this but basically they had like this coverage disguise right they had they disguised this coverage their cover three and they were able to get to a different coverage off of this same coverage and it screwed up daniel jones on three consecutive first downs and or th on third downs, which led to punts. So obviously that coverage wrinkle by Jack to throw that in there was excellent. And it led to sacks. It led to hurries. It led to two sacks and it led to a, a tackle for a loss actually. So really cool wrinkle by them to throw that in there. And um, so much so like the Jack that, that Ron is like guarding that thing with both hands. So really nice adjustment by them. Can't talk too too much in detail about it, but that was cool. 
And then uh, I think overall, good job outside of the the little wrinkle that they brought in from the keeper game early on. Good job by you with your film study. Yeah, it was. I mean, well, little too good. Little too good, apparently. And he approved them. And then he saw me said, I actually don't approve these, which was a little bit of a <laughs> runaround this morning. So yeah. Uh, on second thought, uh, yeah. let's, let's let's not because we played them again in these. two weeks. Uh, I wonder if he would have just let it go if if it wasn't the same opponent coming yeah, up in a couple weeks. Yeah. Um, but you know, who knows? Uh the other thing that I think is interesting though, trying to make sense of um Jones didn't have an actual incompletion until that drive at the end of the game. Right. Uh, where he launched like his first real incompletion of the game is a drop by Darius Slayton. Because which was which was it would have been a monster game, play and it's, game it's ending. a good throw. And, yeah. yeah. Um, his only other incompletion, they spiked the ball at the end of the first half, right. which by the way, um, that place, the play right before it sticks in my craw. And I know it's hard to stop someone when it's a third and one. Um, but it's third and one with about 26 seconds left. The giants have no timeouts. They come out and run zone read, which of course they do because it's third and one. And that's what they do on third and one. Yep. And if you get the stop there, <laughs> they have to fire drill the field goal team on. Yeah, that's true. And instead, you give up the third, you give up two yards, which is hard to get too mad about giving up two yards, but they give up the two yards, they spike it. It's Jones's only incompletion of the game until that final drive. Uh, and then they're able to waltz the field goal team on and kick. It's just kind of a bummer, I think, more than anything else, where it's like, ah, make yeah. it hard on them, make it hard on them situationally. And uh, you know, maybe you sell out a little bit. You you have your whatever your zone read stop, uh, you know, run blitz or whatever it is, call on there. Um, it just sucks uh, in that situation. But all, I think ultimately the, the other thing that I'm trying to make sense of is the fact that he didn't have an incompletion. It's like, yeah, oh, did you actually do a good job and you just forced him to throw the ball nowhere and it just it was complete and that's that's good or is it bad that you literally did not cause an incompletion for nearly four quarters of football? I mean, I think when you look at what they were doing from like a pass game standpoint, and I should have charted this, so I'm sorry for not being prepped for this, but I think of those 17, I think probably 10 of them were off of like keepers, like little flat routes, right? Yeah. Like just little dink and dunks, just an extension of the run game, really. Like, so in my mind, those should go in running statistics with his scrambles, right? Like that's essentially right. what they were doing there, right? And then obviously he did some stuff. He had like a spot over the ball, which went for a first down. The touchdown obviously dropped back. The shot play was a drop or a play action pass. Um, but that to me is kind of that was their wrinkle. They knew they're not dumb, man. They know the strength of this team is defensive line. So what are ways you mitigate their effectiveness is stay out of drop back passing situations as much as you possibly can. And so that's what they did. And so one of the things you get out of that is you get easy throws, right? You get he's rolling out, easy throw, dink it down, call it, right? So um I think that's uh, – I don't know. They can't do it two weeks in a row because I think Jack will have a plan for it next time they do it. The defensive ends will be ready for it. But next next time they play, what's the plan? And can they make Daniel Jones less efficient with their new plan defensively? Yeah. Um, it's so weird because, you know, you say, oh, they did a good job on Barkley. They very limited the passing game, and yet they still somehow gave up 20 points. Uh, and well, I think been about a tie. it. It's off of a short field, right? One that's right, one which that, that's... has been murder for them this year. Not that it's yeah. easy for anyone, right? But it feels like when they turn the ball over in their own end, it is a touchdown. They have not was... been able to held hold teams to field goals with any kind of regularity. Which what you was know, that's 
That's why those are so bad. What was the yard line? Like, where did the turnover happen? Do you remember? Uh, I do not remember, but yeah. I do have access to the internet. Uh, so <laughs> I will look that up real quick. That yeah. was the fumble at the end of the half. Uh, it was their own 20 yard line. So, yeah. you know, that's, that's a tough a, deal. That's a tough that's, deal. That's a tough deal. And they, you know, the other one they had against Philly earlier in the year was in a very similar spot on the field. So I believe they had one against Tennessee as well. Yeah. Like, those are tough situations to put your defense in. And I, and like, you know, it, it's just a tough deal. It's a tough deal when that happens. And like, uh, that's the only way you can cut it. You'd like him to make a play, but like my expectation as if I was the head coach, I'd be like, you know, I want the defense to make a play. I want him to hold to a field goal, but I also am going to be real. I would like Taylor say, Heineke not to fumble. Uh, yeah, although that wasn't, real. you know, wasn't really on him. Gets yeah. Pressure. Um, gets pressure but, again. And we got to talk about, we could talk about that too. Like how, you know, there was this offensive strategy of like kind of getting into empty and then they were in heavy or max protecting in certain situations and one of the things again i think we talked about this a little bit on the post game pod this is going back to offense sorry i should have should have brought this up before if the, you're listening um, to the little the, the shortened versions of the podcast uh this is the kind of stuff you could get if you listen to the full thing <laughs> is um is this is that the um they went max protection. So they left, you know, tight end and a uh, back end. And uh, Wink Martindale did a great job of saying like, okay, yeah, stay in max protection. I'm going to show that you have to call your slide to the left away from the tight end. And then you end up, everyone goes to the left. He dropped everybody out. He did this twice. And then the tight end is one-on-one with the best pass rusher on the field in Aziz Ojolari. And I think tight ends are great. I, you know, I'm a tight end myself. I will tell you this, that is a mismatch in favor of the New York Giants. And they were able to capitalize on that multiple times. And that's the problem with going max protection is you expose pass protectors who are not, that's not their full-time gig to really good pass rushers. And that's kind of the dice you roll in those situations. Yeah. Um, anything else from the game that, uh, that we wanted to hit? Uh, obviously, we'll get into some more of this Friday as we get into the self-scout, uh, if you will, our self-scout through 14 weeks. And, and a lot of this most recent game will be relevant. But anything else that from watching the tape you wanted to, to point out real quick? Um, I think those are all kind of the major things. I'm trying to think if there's anything that pops out. Wes Schweitzer looked good coming back, you know, after not, after not playing for a while, which is nice, especially with Cosme, who looks solid early on getting hurt. Larson being out is a big deal. I think he's going to miss the rest of the year from what I understand. So not ideal. Again, kind of that musical chairs on the offensive line is, is something that's always tough to negotiate. Um yeah, yeah, I think that's probably it. What did you think of the overtime? I wanted to ask you about that. Over overtime clock management, anything that stood out to you there? Um, I they got killed by some penalties at some really bad spots. And one of them, I believe, if I'm remembering correctly, was on the punt. Uh actually, no, yeah. it wasn't overtime. That was end of regulation. Yeah. Um, they should have had the ball somewhere up near yeah it, it, there's a penalty on on percy butler for the block out of bounds um that's it should have been yeah and, and it, it's a 12 yard return by erickson to the 36 if you're on the 36 with 128 to go and all three timeouts that i would say your chances of winning are pretty good to get into yeah. field goal range especially yeah. with the kind of leg that sly has instead they have a 15-yard penalty, and they get knocked back all the way to the 24-yard – or, sorry, it's half the distance from the Washington 24. So they start at their own 12. Yeah. At that point, you're not in good shape, and obviously uh, you get you get 
not very far with that. Ultimately, a couple of incompletions uh, leads to you punting the ball back with the Giants. That was the sack, right? In, they took a sack there. That was the sack uh, by Thibodeau, right? Thibodeau. No, that uh, was that was in overtime. These drives okay. started to melt together in my brain too, which yeah, is why I th- actually thought that was the same drive. But no, um, that was their first drive in overtime, or sorry, their last drive in overtime. They get the ball back at their own ten after a fair catch by Erickson, which is okay. which is the right call. Yeah. Um, I'd say there's like two things at the end of overtime too that that drove me nuts. One, they don't have a kick returner back. Like, fine, whatever. But like, you gotta if you got a one percent chance to win, and it, and there's no harm in doing it, why not increase your chances of winning by one percent? Um, the other one that actually is a bigger deal, the situational awareness to not uh get, or to give up like the five, six, seven yard, whatever it was, quick out on two snaps before the field goal. Uh, Jones has to throw it out of bounds on the snap right before. But they give up like an extra seven yards. Yeah. And considering the field goal missed by inches, a foot, a yard, like why are you giving – they need a seven-yard out. They don't have time to throw it deeper down the field. Um, like you need to be playing like literally the shell um, on the outside. Why? And I, by the way, I also don't get why teams don't press man in that situation or, or like press coverage in that situation. Mm. They are You are fighting the clock. Make them eat as much clock as possible. Make it so that they have to throw the ball out of bounds multiple times. Do not let them into field goal range. Keep them at the 64-yarder or whatever it was at for Gano. It works out because he misses from 57, but like he would have been way short at, yeah. at 63. So, I mean, I can look up and see how much yardage they gain, but it's like those little details at the end of games matter a lot. And they're able to get – I mean, it, it was only three yards even for – Bellinger, that's a less big than deal, I thought. Though. But like when you're at the 43 yard line, that's the difference between 60 and 57. Yeah, and I would much rather see that field goal taken from 60 than 57. Yeah, I agree. I think, uh, I don't think you press man there because you're worried about a penalty, you're worried about like a holding call, which would give them five. And then if it's an offensive PI, sure. it's 15. All right, fine, press bail, like be yeah, have whatever. someone in their yeah. face of the line of scrimmage. Yeah, do they have any timeouts? And how much time, so how much time uh, was left on the clock? How much time was left on the clock? Uh, you had 15 seconds, and I do not believe they had any timeouts. So I, I bet you, I bet you, there's a little bit of concern about Jones scrambling in that situation. I know 15 seconds doesn't seem like enough time to scramble, but if I remember correctly, the formula is if the quarterback can run with more than 14 seconds on the clock, because you can get reset and spike in under 14 seconds. So. Again, like you have to kind of play a normal defensive structure as opposed to the fence because you need somebody in the middle of the field to kind of say, hey, Daniel Jones, like stay where you are. It would be my only thought. And again, like I do agree that it's not that's not ideal. You don't want to give up yards in that situation. You don't want to make that any easier than it uh, needs to be. But um, I'm just trying to play devil's advocate a little bit and think about why you would do that. And that would be my my conclusion is that you're worried about him running around a little bit. I have a new fence design. They should play someone like basically in, bet- like if you want to throw the three yard, you're going to throw it right to my guy. And also yeah. my guy is now in position for you to, yeah, to, like, to prevent scrambles. Yeah. There and- I did. I just invented new end of game defense. <laughs> you did it. This is why you stayed for the end of the pod. <laughs> All right. Uh, subscribe wherever you're listening or watching right now. We appreciate you doing so. Uh, we'll be back Friday with a big self scout edition. And then, we might just open up the uh, open up the Zoom, if you will. This is not actually on Zoom. Open up the StreamYard. We'll give them a shout-out. We'll open up the StreamYard perhaps next week and let some folks ask questions, uh, quote-unquote, in person. So stay tuned for details on that if we do indeed go that route. If not, we'll just do a traditional mailbag. 
uh, to get going next week. Uh, until then, we'll see you Friday. Uh, thanks for listening or watching. Take man. Make sure you're subscribed wherever you're listening right now, uh, because obviously if you're listening there, our, our podcast is available and, th- and then you can subscribe there and then you can have it anytime we put out a new episode. Anytime you want it. And it helps us out, guys. Help us out. Help yeah, us help if, you. If you don't want to do it for your own listening good, uh, do it for us. Be altruistic or whatever that version is. I like that. Yeah, I, I, that's a good word. Uh, I don't know if I use it properly, but we're going to we're just going to roll with it. Uh, <laughs> uh, what, what do you say? UCLA education? I think that's right. Be altruistic. I think it was too. Yeah.